is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Are you Team Moderna or Team Pfizer? If you're on Moderna, you might be the winner. New info coming out about how the Moderna vaccine might just give you stronger protection, even though those two vaccines are very similar. We'll talk with an 11-year-old here in Southern California who's waiting to get vaccinated before she heads back to the classroom. And a zoo on the East Coast now vaccinating the animals. But we start with Moderna versus Pfizer. Dr. Sabra Klein, professor of immunology and microbiology at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. Chris Seedens and I asked how the Moderna shot seems to be outperforming Pfizer's. So we think it must be something in the lipid nanoparticle that um, the mRNA is is enclosed in um, that that may be playing a role. And these this, these are where the patents come in. This is patented technology. But you know, even when the Pfizer vaccine was tested at the at the same dose as the Moderna vaccine, it still didn't perform as well as the Moderna vaccine. And again, as you noted correctly, these are very minor differences, but there does appear to be some greater durability of the immunity um, following uh, receipt of the Moderna vaccine. It could also be that the Moderna uh, vaccine is spaced um, an extra week in between the two doses. Um, and, and that may be just enough time to really give our immune system some added time to really uh, mount that primary response before coming in and giving us the second dose to further boost our immunity. So I think the, the duration of time between the first and second doses, the, the, the dose of the actual vaccine, as well as the um, patented technology of their lipid nanoparticle are all things for us to consider. So let's lay out for people exactly where we're at right now, just so there's there's no confusion. Yeah. Is, the, is the difference in the, you know, what we've come to know as getting a breakthrough case, and maybe that's mild and Pfizer is not as good, or is it in the hospitalization scenario uh, when you have to go there, is Pfizer not as good as Moderna there as well. And then once we have those answered, we'll, we'll take the next questions. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think we would all uh, agree that both Pfizer and Moderna are excellent at preventing um, hospitalization. So I think both uh, do equally well when it comes to um, keeping us out of the hospital. Um, I think it is merely that when when they've measured the immunity in people who've received these vaccines, it seems to be a little bit greater and last a little bit longer when uh, when people receive the Moderna vaccine. Dr. Klein, is there continuing development all the time? Are they working on making all of these vaccines, Moderna, Pfizer, J&J, AstraZeneca for that matter as well, which is used in Canada and many other countries? Are they they working to make them even more effective against the, the, the different, more contagious variants like Delta? Absolutely. I think, yes. And But what you need to remember is that any modification that they make has to be approved by the FDA. So we are in the midst of the pandemic still. And if it makes more sense to make the recommendation for booster doses, especially for those in our communities who are at greatest risk, so those people who might be immunocompromised or people who are 65 years and older, 
um, are, are what they've limited this to for the Pfizer vaccine specifically. Then um, I think in order to get these boosters to people the fastest that we can, we have to stick with the um, with the original vaccines that were against that that what we're calling that ancestral strain that came out of Wuhan. It does work rather well against Delta. So, you know, I, I think we should rest assured that um, that I think it is still proving to provide ample protection. I want to go back to this idea from before about small differences, because there's, there's people yes. driving around right now who read the CDC yeah. study from last week. And they said, OK, it's six months afterwards. Moderna's still coming in at 90 something. And if I'm a Pfizer guy, I say it's 77 now. And that yeah. doesn't seem like a small difference to me. So take us through that and who who actually post vaccine is ending up in the hospital are these perfectly healthy people or do they have comorbidities to begin with that's such a good question so that person driving in the car listening to us right now i think if that is somebody who is otherwise healthy okay they're not immunocompromised they they have not received a solid organ transplant they do not have cancer they are not for other reasons like because of autoimmune diseases they're not taking immunosuppressive medicines then they should rest assured that these um these differences really are subtle for them i think where we have our biggest concern are in those at risk populations that i just mentioned and older adults when you look at who is ending up it, vaccinated but in the hospital with COVID, it's typically people 65 years and older and people who have an altered immune system. Dr. Sabra Klein, immunologist, microbiologist, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. An 11-year-old girl who lives in Huntington Beach here in Southern California, not able to get vaccinated yet because it's for 12-year-olds, 12-plus so far, made the choice to stay home and continue remote learning rather than go back to school. She wants to wait till she makes it to 12 a couple months from now. Chris and I chatted with her, Callie Knotson, and her mom, Karen, started off by asking how she came to this decision. Well, I really just didn't want to get sick or get anyone else sick, so... It was basically just like a decision between what is, you know, safe or what I would like to do. And I picked what is safe. Did it take you time to to come to that conclusion or was this just a pretty easy, you know what? I don't have the vaccine yet. I'm not old enough and I'm just going to stay here. I would say it was probably like in between. It took some time to like really think about it, but it also was like quick enough to where it was like just, you know, what's safe and what's a possible life or death situation. Kelly, let's bring your mother, Karen, into the conversation. Uh, Mom, uh, when Kelly came to you with this, uh, your thoughts, uh, obviously you're very proud of the decision she's she's made as a young, young girl. Of course. I mean, it really was a family decision. She was in virtual last year. We initially had her signed up to go back to in-person. But, you know, we've all, as a family, have discussed and kept up with the news and the reports and what's going on with Delta variant. Uh, you know, it just seemed like a much higher risk and than it was even last year. And some of the protocols are in place. I get that the schools are doing the best that they can, but um, it seems like they're almost less restrictive this year than they were last year. So it, it was really just a, a no-brainer kind of decision for us. But we're very proud of her that she she's ready to go back anytime, but she wants to do it safely. So she 
asked if she could get vaccinated on her 12th birthday. So that is the plan for now. And and Kelly, you go back right after you get your vaccine or after the couple of weeks have passed, whenever you're, you're considered fully vaccinated. Is that, that the plan? Pretty much, but it just depends on like if the school has room for me and if they'll allow me to go back in. Tell me, are you uh, the only one out of your friends who've chose to stick with remote learning to start the school year? Yes, I'm sure I am. I mean, I'm sure all my friends went back and I'm the only one that stayed behind. Is it still kind of tough to do? I mean, how did the virtual go last year and how does this compare? It can't be easy, but if you feel safer, that's something. But still, I mean, you're sitting at what, the laptop and it's it must be kind of a drag. Yeah, for sure. I mean... At some points, it gets, like, really monotonous, but, like, it's just, last year was just pretty much the same as this year, but middle school. Uh, Karen, Mom, uh, conversations you have with with the school and maybe with some other parents on issues like this, uh, have there been been many conversations about an issue like this where you're close to 12 years old, your child is close to 12 years old, not quite ready to be or not quite able to be vaccinated yet? Uh, Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, you know, I haven't had too many conversations um, with friends, I mean, ultimately, this is this is a family decision, and everybody needs to do what's right for their own families. I will say that we're for sure in the minority, just looking at social media, and you know, and that's okay. You know, I think that we're in the minority with our decision and the area that we live in. I think that um, maybe there's a, a larger population of uh, folks who are, are maybe vaccine resistant more so than we are. Um, so, you know, that was also a factor in sending her back, you know, the possibility that she could be back in school with kids who are able to be vaccinated, but their parents are choosing not to vaccinate them. So that that also played a role in our decision, not judging everybody. Everybody has to do what's comfortable for their own families. Even in, in areas that aren't, you know, pockets of, of resistance, like you mentioned, do you think that it was still talked about in a certain way that, that maybe everyone just assumed that all the kids were going back because it was so exciting, right? For a lot of people, hey, they can go back to school. And then there was always like a subline, unless somebody chooses not to. And, and how, how do you feel being part of that group or your daughter coming to you and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this. Um, I mean, we're fine with it. We're, we're confident people. She's a confident child. So, you know, our decisions are our own. I'm not worried about, you know, judgment on that. You know, as far as, you know, everyone else sending their kids back last year, you know, it looked like everybody sent, you know, the folks that did send their kids that they did very well. And the transmission was low. And that's great, because that's what everybody would want. Uh, You know, and this year, we really we waited until the last minute we registered her in person and made the decision that day while we were at registration, you know, that we're going to go ahead and need to do this. Um, Also that we did speak with the district and last year, if we signed them up for virtual, we did not get a choice. We were locked in for the entire year. This year, they told us that there was going to be a lot more flexibility with that. So that was, you know, a large factor in our decision too. Callie's an only child. So the socialization is so important and in-person you know, it's not the same as doing it virtually, but she does get the option of, of going back. And we felt that, you know, this is a, a decision we can't afford to get wrong. So, Kelly, yeah. Kelly, as we mentioned, this is a very mature decision on your part, cons- consulting with, with your parents. But but tell me, tell me deep down, uh, you're going to be turning 12 in November. Uh, you're going to get the shot. How eager are you to getting back to in 
person in class learning around around friends? Very excited to get back because middle school is a big change and it's a lot more grown up and it seems more fun than, you know, grade school. But the thing is, is that as long as I'm safe doing something that I would most likely like, that's what's the most important is being safe. Kelly Knotson, 11 years old. Well said. Well said. Going on 12, going into middle school. Good luck with middle school. Best to be safe. And uh, mom, Karen Knotson, out there in Huntington Beach. Thanks to you both. 11 years old, more mature than I am. Uh, After the break, short break, even the lemurs are now getting vaccinated. The animals are now getting vaccinated at the Philadelphia Zoo. Uh, Which ones are at risk? How do you know? KYW's J. Scott Smith talks to colleague John McDevitt, explaining which animals were the first to get the shots. Well, they started with their five ring-tailed lemurs, and then they went on to their four western lowland gorillas. Now, they have five gorillas, uh, uh, western lowland gorillas, uh, but one of them didn't really cooperate. They're trained. These animals were selected because they were, these are among the animals that are trained to be given, uh, vaccines and medications. They kind of go up to, uh, a, a, uh, fence and, uh, the, uh, keeper or, uh, is able to then vaccinate them or give them medications or things like that. But this one gorilla, it was too uh, late in the day, uh, officials say. So she wasn't cooperating. So they gave her dose. Uh, to one of, one of the uh, Sumatran orangutans. And that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I do wonder about this. I mean, first off, how do you get a, an animal? Some of these animals are not exactly small or not exactly known to just comply, per se, to get vaccinated. How you make that happen? Plus, how is the zoo prioritizing which of these animals are getting vaccinated? How does that work? Yeah, so, uh, well, they requested 113 uh, doses um, from the company uh, Zoetis uh, for this experimental drug. Uh, they are given 10 doses at a time. I spoke with Dr. Keith uh, Hinshaw. He's the director of animal health at the Philadelphia Zoo and uh, met with him and he kind of explained that uh, the more at-risk animals, uh, which are the uh, gorillas, the big cats, uh, 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 they are given it first. And it's, if they are able to administer the vaccines without, you know, for example, like not putting them under or anything of that nature, um, these animals are trained to, uh, kind of pose themselves to get vaccinated. So, uh, they were going with the at risk animals first. There's, uh, 113 that they ultimately want to vaccinate, but, uh, big cats, the gorillas, uh, the lemurs, uh, they're the first, they're the ones that are, are being vaccinated, uh, uh, right now. And then they're going to go, uh, a, a, as they can to get all of these 113 animals vaccinated. It's two doses, just like, uh, those who are getting, um, uh, human shots, uh, uh, the Moderna and, uh, the Pfizer shots. Um, and they're one milliliter each. They're going to be giving, uh, those needles to the animals. Uh, and again, the, uh, at risk animals uh, that, that they're more susceptible of perhaps uh, uh, getting COVID-19 first. And you mentioned something there about the dosage amounts. So how do they determine this? Because I guess how, how much does it take to vaccinate a gorilla as opposed to say a lemur or, yeah. or a tiger or 
how does how how does that all work so you might think that you know the dosage would be different but it's not about the weight it's it's not about the dosing weight it's about uh inducing an immune system response so this one milliliter of this uh, vaccine uh officials say uh, gets the immune system going so they aren't uh giving more or less depending on the weight of an animal as you say a lemur versus uh like a gorilla so um that's that's kind of their answer um also this is experimental and um dr hinshaw and other zoo veterinarians there are 70 zoos across the country that were requesting uh these vaccinations and the uh it takes a while. The, it, the process is long because it, has, it goes through the U.S. government, uh, the Department of Agriculture, and then the state's uh, uh, Department of Agriculture. So they're going to be looking, a bunch of veterinarians are going to be looking at taking blood samples and kind of looking to see if this is actually working, basically. Uh, it, 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 are, are less animals at zoos getting uh, uh, COVID? And just recently uh, at Zoo Atlanta, there was a there were a bunch of gorillas that came down with COVID nineteen. Um, so and the ironic thing was that the this experimental drug was days away from arriving wow. <laughs> or being administered uh, to those gorillas and other at risk animals there. Um, but unfortunately, they, they they did come down with it. So this is why they're doing it. Um, animals at zoos are getting it, and it's due to humans. Humans are spreading it. Go figure. And the the whole irony of of this is originally that the disease was thought to have somehow moved from animals to humans. And, John, we last talked about this about three months ago, back in July. And back then, the zoo said it would be about two months before the shots arrived. So right about on schedule, they're here. So so what's been happening behind the scenes in the in-between time? Yeah, so they they were waiting for this. Um, And then behind the scenes. They were just taking precautions. Uh, zookeepers are wearing face shields. They're wearing gloves. They're distancing as much as they can. Uh, they are keeping the animals, um, you know, basically uh, away from humans who are not normally there. Uh, and you would think like, oh, yeah, well, who, who's around a, who's around a, a lion or, <laughs> or a, uh, a tiger or, uh, you know, or a gorilla. But uh, so they're limiting like the actual keepers because the cases, like I just mentioned, Zoo Atlanta, uh, that was traced to a asymptomatic care uh, giver of, of, of the gorillas. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they're limiting that. So they are taking the precautions. And also the zoo is wants to remind people, don't feed the animals because they are getting it from humans. If you, if a person grabs is holding something food and tossing it into the cage, there's a possibility if you have COVID or don't know you have COVID, you're going to give it to the animal. Uh, so they're, they're reinforcing that. So, and they also uh, are just also pushing for humans to get their vaccines, uh, you know, as, as, as this goes on and as these variants come in and, the Delta variant, they still don't, well, we really don't know a whole, whole lot about this the Delta variant or, and, and what it will do yet, uh, yet when we're seeing it, obviously. But it may have a stronger impact on animals uh, uh, than humans, um, but they just don't know yet. And that's why they're going to be keeping a close eye and monitoring um, this 
drug, this vaccine, I should say, uh, you know, as, as, as time goes on and as it's administered to E70 zoos uh, throughout the country. It's interesting when you bring that up about the not feeding the animals. And when I was in college, I worked at the Detroit Zoo for a couple of summers, and that was some of the things we would just be adamant about because you don't know what kind of food you're tossing in there. You don't know if they can eat it. Now you got to think about the potential of a disease floating in there. And you brought up something there. The importance of humans getting vaccinated dominates so much of this conversation. And you just kind of mentioned it there. How much of a threat is COVID to these animals as well? As to the keepers and the trainers who are dealing with them all the time. Yeah, well, they have strict, the keepers and, the, and those at the zoo, the people that work there have strict guidelines now. You know, the temperature check, the, the, the questionnaire, the uh, vaccinations, the mask wearing, you know, just the, the normal protocol that a lot of companies have uh, when dealing with, with, with animals uh, and, and, and their employees and, and just interacting with others uh, uh, during this 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 pandemic um but so they are keeping close eye on the animals the the uh and and the contact as it when it comes to humans um but yeah so there is some some those guidelines are uh underway and uh uh will continue now is there any concern that perhaps if say a gorilla gets covid or lion gets covid that it can be passed over to one of the keepers no, that isn't a concern. Um, that hasn't come to play at all. Uh, no one is seeing animals giving it to humans, uh, you know, and, you know, with all these different variants, who, who knows, like, that could change, but hopefully that will never change. <laughs> but right now, uh, that is something that Dr. Hinshaw uh, was saying that uh, isn't an issue. Uh, it is humans uh, giving it to the animals. That is the concern. The Delta wave across the world might have peaked already. World Health Organization says the number of new cases fell last week again, 3.6 million new ones. That was down from 4 million the previous week. The drop, the first substantial decline in more than two months, falling cases in every region of the world. There were just under 60,000 deaths in the past week. That is a 7% decline. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us on the Odyssey app, other shows too, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 